in my opinion, ought to come when the child's already initiated something. Encouragement isn't you initiating. It's when a child initiates and then you're encouraging of the thing that they're already doing, that they're wanting to do, um, which is very different. It's like I started taking hula classes when I was eight because I wanted to. And it's not that my mom didn't offer things. It was just very natural. It wasn't with an agenda so that we would learn. It was because she, it was like a friend. It was like when you have a friend who you know is interested in a topic and then you see a flyer or a class on the topic that you know your friend is into. So you write down the number and next time you see your friend, you're like, hey, I remember you saying that you were into this thing and I saw this class and I thought you might like it. Like that's how natural it was in my family with my mom. Um, when I was really little, I showed a great interest in plants and uh, medicinal plants and herbalism. My mom was really into natural health, so it was kind of in my environment. And so she was like, she saw that that was something I was really into and I would ask questions and I was curious. And she was like, well, you know, we know an herbalist, maybe we could put a class together if you'd like. And I was like, yes. And so my mom put uh, homeschool, like some of our friends that were also homeschooling, put a class together so I could take herbalism classes. That was support and encouragement because of something I had already shown interest in. She wasn't like trying to find out what I was interested in. She trusted that interests would express themselves as they developed. And then the support was there without attachment. There was never any attachment to my you know, getting into it, um, unless it was because she really liked herbalism and she wanted, you know, um, but there was no agenda to affect me. There was no like, um, secret hope that I would learn something academic out of it. Um, no attachment to my learning a certain thing. It was literally just because that's what friends do out of love and support. It wasn't out of fear. And I feel like that's really important. And so when it comes to like those things about like strewing and these kinds of things, I feel like it's okay. I'm not saying like, don't do it. I'm just saying, you know, maybe look into where that's coming from. Um, what would happen if you didn't? Right? Do you get really uncomfortable at the idea of not doing that? What's that about? Where's that discomfort coming from? Where's that just like really investigating into yourself, your motivations and why you think you should do that? And what are you afraid will happen if you don't? And and a lot of people don't want to ask those questions because they want to just be like, no, I'm, I'm just being, you know, I'm just want my children to be exposed to things. I'm just encouraging and being supportive. I'm like, okay, that's fine. If you don't want to go any further than that, and that's, you're happy in what you're doing there, that's perfectly all right. But for anyone who really wants to like, explore their own psyche and um and get to know their children i feel like there's more intimacy you can create a deeper connection and more intimacy with your children when you're not putting things in their space and i mean that physically and psychologically when you don't have an agenda or an attachment um like how would you feel if your partner did that to you like if you're in a relationship with someone and your partner is putting things in your space like like, for example, let's see if I have an example. Okay, so I have a, um, my ex-boyfriend. Like, if I started doing that to him, or I should say if he started doing that to me, like, if there was a topic, like, if he was really um, into football and he thought I should know things about football because 
I should, I don't know why, like literally, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. If he started like put a book on the coffee table in hopes I might see it and maybe get interested and open it up and read something and learn something about what he thinks I should know. How would I feel about that? I'd be like, why are you being so manipulative? Like just, if you want, just hand me the book, you know, like to me, that's a very sneaky and manipulative behavior. You're, 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 you have an agenda and you're trying to like slip it in there and, and be all like secret and gentle and, you know, about it, but it's manipulative. Um, like my mom would never, she would never do that to me. Like if, if she saw a book that she thought I would like, she would get the book, she would bring it home and she'd be like, Hey, I thought you might like this. And she'd hand it to me. And I might be like, eh, and not read it. No big deal. But if she found, if she thought that I should learn more numbers now, like I should be learning my times tables. And she started like, you know, put a chart of times tables on the fridge without asking me without me asking. And then she like, you know, put a math book on the table and she put like a fun game. Oh, honey, let's, let's play this game. It's really fun. I just got this game. It's new. Like, I know that I would be uncomfortable because I had family members that did that. My mom never did that to me. I had family members that did that. And you know what happened? I didn't really like being around them. I felt like invaded. You know, I felt manipulated, coerced. I, you can, children feel everything. You can feel their secret agenda. You can feel someone trying to lure you into a learning trap. It's like, why are you doing that to me? Like, just be real. Just be honest. Just be authentic. Like, let's have a real, open, honest, authentic relationship. And that's what I had with my mom. She knew that I'd learn my times tables if I wanted to, when I was ready. And I would ask for help. And she didn't need to put that in my space. And um, so people are like, well, how did you learn? How did you learn math? And I have some memories. A lot of it happened on accident. A lot of it happened because, you know, life. And I wasn't locked away in a place separate from life, um, learning things people thought I needed for life. I was actually living life. And so I was learning through life itself. And um you know, it happens on accident. We go to the grocery store and mom gives everyone a dollar to get your own treat. It's like, I have $1. I want a treat. I'm going to figure out how much that costs. What does that mean? How much will I have left over? Do I want to save this much or do I want to get something that costs more or do I want to? And that happened through questions. And it wasn't just from my mom. It was also asking my brothers or whoever else was there. And, um, and that information goes in and it gets retained because it's important to you because it has a real life application. It mattered to me. That was for me. I asked that question because I wanted to know for me. Um, and there was a real life benefit and it had nothing to do with anyone else or what anyone else thought I should be doing or learning or anything at all. And, and that those kind of learning experiences, they just continue. And you know what? My mom didn't give me a dollar so that I would learn how to do that at all. There was no agenda. There was no intention for me to learn. That wasn't the point. It was because that was just what was happening in our life at the moment. And I hear a lot of people, they're doing these things like, how can I encourage my child to learn more math? And then there's all these ideas offered. Like, you can give them money in the grocery store and you can do this. And you can, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can do that. And yes, it might like, quote unquote, work. But is it genuine? Is it authentic? Is it happening naturally? 
Or are you having to leave this moment and this connection with your child in order to, um, you know, placate your own fear, basically? And I'm sorry if that sounds like a, a harsh judgment or criticism. And, um, but it's just a question. It's like, why do you feel the need? Because I, I do feel like in order to do that, you do have to disconnect from this authentic connection you have with your children and this natural flow. Because all of a sudden you're like, you bringing in a manipulative agenda to it. You've got an idea what they should do and how they should be. And you're trying to change them and you're trying to fix them and you're trying to, you know, have an effect on your, it is a method of control. It is a method of control. If I give you a dollar, I am giving you a dollar free. There is no condition. There's no condition. My mom gave me a dollar. There was no condition. It was free. And there was a, like, I accepted that gift. But when it comes with conditions, when it comes with an agenda, it doesn't feel the same. It feels sticky. It's no longer free. And, and, and she's had to step out of her authentic connection with me in order to do that. She's chosen um, agenda and, and, a, and, a, and, and used our connection and our interaction, our relationship as a method of manipulation to change me, to get me to learn something. And um, I don't know, I'm, it might just seem like it's not a big deal to a lot of people. It, a lot of people think, well, that's not a big deal. What's the difference? Giving a dollar is giving a dollar. And to me, it's a huge deal because the relationship I have with my mom is only possible because of that connection because she stayed with me in that authentic connection and relationship and she didn't leave me um, in favor of that agenda. And um, that's why I have the relationship with her that I have today. That's why I still feel safe to ask my mom questions about anything, to share anything with my mom. I still feel safe with her because I never feel like she's using any of our interactions to get something from me or to get me to be a certain way or to do a certain thing. And everyone else in my life did. You know, I remember that. I remember being with my grandma and I remember her asking me questions. How many, you know, like we're out in the rose garden and it's like, I'm like, wow. And I'm like, oh, these roses are beautiful. And I remember her being like, how many are there? And me like contracting like I have memories I felt my body contract because there was an agenda that question was not a question of authentic curiosity on her part she knew how many roses there are why would you ask me that it was only to see what I knew it was only to teach me something um teaching taking those opportunities those teachable moments you know you're on a you're in a beautiful place with a beautiful child. Why are you not enjoying this moment? Why are you trying to use it to change them? Um and it it's it's sad. It's heartbreaking. Like I remember what it felt like as a child to have my grandma just not be there with me. You know, she wasn't there with me. She was more concerned with um what what numbers I knew than with who I was or how I felt or what my experience was. She was more concerned with all of that. And it's like, how do you feel when a partner does that? You're sitting in a beautiful sunset with your partner. You're enjoying this gorgeous moment and this authentic connection with them. 
And they, out of some agenda, are like, you know, did you know that the cloud, the clouds that we're seeing are caused by, you know, the water that rises from the sea? Like, if they're doing that out of their own wonder and curiosity and imagination, and they're, you know, expressing their own awe and wonder, like, God, isn't it amazing that those are made out of water from these puddles? Like, that's a conversation. But if you're like, ooh, I could get my kid to learn something by using this moment to point out some thing, it's like, it's uncomfortable. It's not comfortable when someone does that with you. It's like, why can't you just be here with me and enjoy this moment? And I feel like that has a huge effect, uh, not just on our personal relationships with each other, but on our, uh, as children, on our own development. Like we. And then later on as adults, we're, we're meditating, we're going to therapy, we're trying to learn how to be in the moment, how to enjoy the moment, how to just breathe, how to like accept ourselves, how we are, how to have confidence and self-love and how to build connection and all of these things. Because when we were little, someone decided to use a beautiful moment as a means of manipulating us into learning something they thought we should know. And it's like no one seems to make that connection. And um, I don't know, to me, that's the kind of like the whole point of all of it. And, and it's because we're too afraid. Like, why? Because we're afraid, we're afraid that that child isn't going to know the answer to a math question later in life. That we have to use the moment. That we can't enjoy what is. It's like, what's really important here? And so my mom chose that, you know, that's what she chose. And, um, and she accepted the possibility. She didn't know, you know, she didn't know at the time. She remembers thinking, okay, well, I guess my kids are going to be spoiled um, because I'm not going to make them cry themselves asleep. So I guess they're going to be spoiled. And I know that doesn't sound like an unschooling thing, but to me, it's kind of all the same. It's about honoring. It's about honoring who we are and honoring who our children are. And um, so the education is just a one aspect. It's one side effect. It's a um, and so my mom was like, well, maybe my kids will be spoiled then. Maybe they will. But I know that this is right right now. This moment is what matters. This connection is what matters. Um, and yeah, everything else can go to hell, basically. And she did that with everything. It was like, yeah, maybe this is a really great opportunity to turn this into a teaching moment. Um, but is that really what matters right now? Is that what's important? No, because you know what? My kid is perfectly capable and intelligent, and I have full faith in their abilities to learn what they need to learn when they need to learn it. I don't need to make that happen. I don't need to make that happen. And so it was really like she got really clear on what was her business, what was my business, and what was our business. And I know that can be a really tricky, tricky process. And there's a lot, a lot of layers in there, but I am so incredibly grateful because I don't know who I would be without that. And I don't know that my mom and I would be as close as we are. And honestly, I don't know how anyone lives without her in their life. Like, I don't, I'm like, how do you live without my mom? Not without anyone. I was asking myself the same question. How am I going to survive without having your mom in my life? I like it a lot. I wish everyone had a mom like yours. That would be, humanity would be saved. 
there's no guarantees though. You know, there's no guarantees. Like I can't tell you that your kids are going to turn out great and like stable and like functional. I can't tell you. I don't know. Not all four of us are very different. And, and yeah, we're, we're doing well according to society's standards, but like, we're not perfect. We're messy humans, just like everyone else. And we have messy lives and we have issues and complications. Like nobody's going to be perfect. And that's not the point. Um, because it shouldn't be about what your kids are going to be someday. And that's why, like, when people ask, like, what do you do now? And what are your, like, I don't, that's not the point. It shouldn't matter. You know, um, it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't hold your babies when they cry so that they'll make a lot of money someday. Like, Like, that's what those questions sound like to me. Like, you shouldn't, yeah. You shouldn't treat someone well and with respect and with human kindness and decency so that you'll get what you want out of them someday, so that they'll be how you think they should someday. No, you should do that because that's what you should do right now. That's the right thing to do right now, regardless of what ends up happening. Um, Because to me, that's not the point. And yeah, we're all mostly doing okay. There are some challenges. My little brother has always, he... And this is an interesting aspect. Of, I don't know. I mean, this isn't really about unschooling, but he was, um, he had a really traumatic birth because he was born nine weeks premature. And so he was put in an incubator and he was pumped full of drugs and he had no human contact and he had, he wasn't breastfed for a while. And there was a lot of things with him and he has struggled his whole life just being okay on the planet. Like he has struggled with his mental health and, um, it took him a few years as a baby just crying and miserable and didn't want to be here and then he had night terrors and like I I really feel like it's a lot from his from his birth trauma and not that that can't be healed but we also live in an insane society we live in an insane society and so if you are looking to raise children that are going to function and fit in in this society don't do what I'm saying I actually can't help you there I have no idea I have no idea because I do not fit into this insane society. And I, I don't think anyone, like, I I love that quote. It says, it's no sign of health to, what is it, to thrive in a sick society yeah. or something like that. I love that quote. Yeah. Because if you're looking for that, for, like, success in the world that we have now, success meaning, like, you know, um, what most people think of success. You know, you have, like, a probably a degree and you're making money using that degree of a steady job and you have a stable home and you have a, you know, like all these things and you're not in massive debt and you have all like whatever that is. And then you're socially comfortable and you're doing all the things according to the rule book. You know, you're following all the rules and you're paying your taxes and you have your car paid off and you have your credit cards and you have a great credit score and you have like all of those things. Like if you, if that is going to be your um, what's the word? Your measurement. Like if that's how you're going to measure success. And if you want your children to achieve that, then I don't know. I don't know what you should be doing. Honestly, I have no idea. Uh, I don't know what you can do to get your kids to be like that. Um, because some of us are, I have a brother who's like doing really well inside the system. He's doing really well inside the system, and he chose that path, and that's his deal. I'm not. I'm some crazy hippie chick living in in Mexico. (laughs) 
teaching belly dance and making jewelry and like, but I'm happy, you know, this is what I've chosen for myself. And, um, we're all so different. Each of my brothers, we're all so different. And, uh, so I can't tell you how to get your kids to be a certain way at all. And, um, I can't tell you what works and what doesn't work as far as getting people, humans, to be a certain way. But I can tell you what my experience was and what it felt like and what I'm grateful for. And um, and that I just think that, that the whole idea of compulsory education is completely insane. And that I know from the research that I've done that I know that its intention was nefarious. It was not developed with good intention. It was not to create healthy humans. It was to create a compliant workforce. That is its original intention. Um, and it has actually worked quite well and still is working quite well to those means. So if that's what you want, you want um, compliant children, you want children who are going to fit into the system and serve the system and work well in that system, then maybe you should put them in school. You know, but if you don't like the system, if you're looking at the world and you're thinking, this is pretty fucked up, I don't know that I want to contribute to this. And um, I might want to raise kids who are going to just blow it all apart and do something radically different, then let them be free and see what happens. Um, it, I don't know. It, it could be. It could be crazy. It could be crazy and it's not going to be easy at all. It's not going to be easy at all, but I can tell you that there's going to be, it'll be intense and there'll be a lot more joy probably. Um, and a lot of unknown and a lot of magic. I had a lot of magic, I feel like, in my childhood and in my life. It's been full of awe and wonder and, um, and it's scary. It's really, really scary to live in the unknown and to live in free and to not live according to this, um, this set out plan you know like my life and my childhood and my learning and everything has always been a lot more like a like a tree you know there's branches growing in all these different crazy directions and you never really know when another leaf is going to sprout out in a strange place and you do so it's not like this step-by-step -step linear evolution that we that is the way people would like things to be um it can be wild and unpredictable and not safe might not be safe because there are no guarantees. Um, you, yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild when you're not raised with this idea that like there's these um, goals at set times to achieve. When you're not having to conform to this step by step process, and it's not um, do this and you'll get this. You know complete this work, memorize this pattern, and get a good score on this test, and then, you know, you get this. Like, if there's not this, um, how do I describe that? It's like the working for a gold star thing. If you're looking for that, like, that's what that system is built for. And what I was raised in was it, it wasn't for that. It wasn't for anything outside myself. I didn't have this, like, you do this and you'll get this thing. That didn't happen for me. My little sister, um, who's my, she's my half-sister, she's my dad and my stepmom, and she was raised 
very much more in the system. She did go to Waldorf school for a while. For the most part, she was raised very much in your average American system. And um, she had the whole, like, you get your job from the time you're a child is to get good grades. That was her job, was to get good grades. She didn't have to do anything else, you know? She didn't have to take care of herself. She didn't have to cook. She didn't have to clean. She didn't have to do anything else. And so she got out of school, and and um, she moved out on her own, and she got an apartment, and she got a 9-to-5 job, and 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 that she did, but she had no, she had no joy. And she didn't know how to take care of herself in that other sense, you know, like um, how to, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying there, but it, it was just a really different, we had a very different mentality. Her and I are really close, actually. We get along really well and we're really close and she's doing awesome. Like she's going to be a, like a pilot. Like she just got her pilot's license and she's in training to be a, a commercial airline pilot. And that's amazing. And that's awesome. And I'm happy for her. And, and that's great. And that's what she wanted. But we have such a different approach to life and a different, um, uh, a different mentality around things. And, and if that's what makes her happy, then I'm happy for her. And she's living inside of this system, this work, this job, get this paycheck, have the time off, have the, you know, and all of that thing. And and I know that she likes the flying part and she likes being a pilot, but, you know, she's like, uh, how do I say this? Like, she's not, there's not a lot of joy and there's not a lot of health and well-being. And, like, she doesn't know how to take care of herself in that way, like, in what what brings her joy and feeds her soul how to take care of her soul and her heart and, and, um, and loving herself and being in herself and in that way. So it's a very different kind of success that her and I have and in a way, I feel like. And I'm really struggling to describe my point here um, because I don't want to criticize like the kind of life that she's chosen. And it's not worse or better like the life that I've choice chosen or the life that she's chosen it's not that my life is better than her life or vice versa because I really don't feel that that's the case but I do feel like because of the training that she had through her whole life is that she maybe lost um, some magic along the way and she lost a little bit of sight of um, she had this beautiful passion for dance when she was young ballroom dancing and she was amazing and I've never seen her face the way I saw her face when she was on the dance floor like when she got on the dance floor and the music came on it was like bliss there was this this oh it was unex inexplicable and I recognize it because I have it when I'm in a hot shop when I'm blowing glass or or when I'm dancing as well actually different style of dance but we both have a passion for dance that sense of being in your right place, that sense of passion and fulfillment of like all is right in the world, that moment, you know? And I think a lot of people don't ever get to feel that way, but she did get to feel that way. And you know what happened was she was told, not from any one person in particular, from society, from her parents, from um, other people around her, that that's not a sustainable 
that she would never be able to make a living doing that or, you know, that she needed to get a real job, that she needed to get an education, that she needed to pursue a career that she needed to. And luckily, she found a career that she does love. You know, she did find a career that she loves. But I don't know that I'll ever see her face the way I saw it when she was on the dance floor. And, and that doesn't mean that she should be dancing for a living. I don't know what she should be doing. But I feel really, really sad that she sacrificed that awe and that magic and that passion for um for a successful for career in a sense and that's her choice and i i don't know maybe she's totally happy and satisfied in her choice but um i'm sad that she was told that and that she believed it and she believed it because of her training through her whole childhood that you can't trust that sense of rightness in yourself that you can't just dance like <laughs> you can't just do that <laughs> you can't just yeah. dance i like that And maybe, you know, and I feel like, yeah, possibly in the society that we've created, maybe you can't if you want to live in that system and be successful in the system. Maybe you can't. But I refuse to believe that I can't just dance and I can't just make glass and um, follow my my passions and my interests and my sense of rightness because um, no one ever told me I couldn't. So I'm still going on that. And I'm living in Mexico. I can walk to the beach from my house here. <laughs> and that's pretty great. And I'm teaching dance a couple days a week. And I'm um, hopefully this winter going to be doing more performing. I perform and I teach. And I um, it's my greatest joy to share that with others. And I've been a successful glassblower for many, many years. I've worked in incredible glassblowing studios in Hawaii. And, um, and I got to work with incredible artists and And got to create my own work and sell my work in beautiful high-end glassblowing galleries. And um, some people think that I am lucky or I'm blessed or I'm fortunate. And I don't see it that way because this wasn't easy. This was not easy. Freedom, allowing yourself to be free is not easy. It's a huge responsibility. And choosing to take those risks and not just follow the herd and join the system and do the, you know, the guarantee to create my own business out of nothing and to, to live in the unknown and the free fall and to be completely responsible for myself and not look to anyone else to take care of me. Um, it's not easy at all. It's scary. So I'm not saying that you should do this. That you should raise. I'm not saying that you should raise your children in, in this, um, but I will tell you that it is super exciting, and it's it's um, it's full of awe and wonder and magic, and it's also really scary, and it can be really really difficult, and it can be, um, yeah, you have to be ready. You have to be ready to like live in free fall and jump off that cliff and figure it out as you go along without a plan because it's going to be different for everyone and that's why people love school so much because it's predictable and it's safe and it's what everyone else is doing it's what people have done for years it's um but it's not working so i don't really like <laughs> it's not really working <laughs> like, I don't, like i look around and i'm like it's not really working though is it not really True. working um true and yet we keep feeding kids into this system and it spits them out and like some of them are okay sort of for a while um but a lot of them 
are struggling. You know, they're having to take medication just to go to work in the morning because they are not okay. People are not okay. And yet we keep doing the same thing over and over, thinking we're going to somehow, like, where do you think this is going to happen? Is it somewhere between school? And like, where, where do you think it's happening? Where are we losing our okayness? Because I, I think we had it. I see it in children. I see it in toddlers. I see them being completely here and in their present, in their bodies. And I have this friend who's got a 15-month-old. She's completely gorgeous. And mama is, like, super grounded. And they're, they're going to be choosing um, no forced education, no compulsory education. And um, she's a total jungle baby, you know. And she just gets to And mama's really connected and um, really in tune and really connected. And that baby is, like, so fine. She is so chill and she's so comfortable and she's so okay and I've known a lot of babies like this now actually and you can tell when you hold them like when you hold a baby and they're just here like energetically they're just in themselves they're here and they are completely in there and they have this beautiful sense of discernment like she knows exactly who is like who she feels comfortable with she knows who she doesn't feel comfortable with she's been supported in listening to her own, you know, she hasn't been forced to go with anyone she's not comfortable with. She hasn't been left at a daycare or with a babysitter. She hasn't been like her mom takes her back as soon as she wants to be back. Like she's already learning or doesn't need to learn. She's already hasn't unlearned that what she knows and what she feels isn't right. If she reaches for her mom and her mom responds, she's being, um, acknowledged that what she feels is right all of those little signals what you feel is right you you wanting connection with me that feeling is right you can trust that feeling so she's already already knowing that she's trusted she can be trusted that she can trust herself and she has full confidence in what she feels is right so when someone tries to pick her up that she's uncomfortable with she has no problem screaming a no and she, because her mom will listen to that and won't make her go with someone she doesn't feel is right. So she's already trusting that her yes and her no is being very um, respected. And that's going to continue. And you can see it with her four-year-old. She's got an older kid. You can see it with her four-year-old. His, his yes and his no has been respected. And so that happens. And then we think of it different. We think, oh, the physical, I think that's different. Like, Listening to a children's desire, a child's desire for comfort is different, but it's not. Their yes and their no, when it comes to their physical um, consent and what feels safe and comfortable for them, is not different than their mental, what feels right to participate in something mentally. They're uncomfortable with something, they have a reason, and that should be trusted. Um, because as soon as you start to violate those things, it's all together. For them, it's all mixed up. They're not compartmentalizing into these different areas. You know, they're not saying like, oh, so um, I guess I can trust when I feel like I need a hug, but I can't trust when I feel like I should play outside instead of doing math. They're not going to make those, they're not going to separate those things. It's, it's all one to them. It's I can or I can't be trusted. It's not different. It's not separate. It's I can listen to myself or I can't. 
I need to listen to authority or I don't need to listen to an authority. It's all the same. It's not all these separate things going on. It's really not that complicated. It's not all these different categories. It's not like, oh, academic learning, oh, emotional learning. oh, It's just learning yourself and what to listen to. And if you're allowed, you don't need to teach your kids to listen to themselves. You only need to allow it and respond to it. And then, you know, there's the, there's that argument. Like I said earlier, there's that argument of like, um, you know, there's times where you do have to do things physically that you might not want to do. Um, and I think that it's nice to limit those things as much as possible. Um, not forcing interactions where kids have to sit down and be quiet. Not forcing, like, then don't go to those things, you know. Don't take your kid to a music class when they're not ready to be sitting and paying attention. Then don't take them there. Um, wait until they're ready to be sitting and paying attention when it's coming from their own desire to participate. Those kinds of things don't need to be happening. You can limit, you can really limit the times when you need your child to be behaving in certain ways, like socially or around other people or these kinds of things. And then when it comes to dealing with other things in the household, like, um, it's really okay to stay home a lot. Like you don't need to do all these different activities and interactions and going out and doing, you know, going on these learning adventures and museums and all of these things. Like those things should be happening naturally as your children are ready for them and as they want to participate in them because then it's going to be less work for you trying to get them to behave appropriately in those settings um, because they will get there. But I feel like oftentimes we're having to control children's behavior and their physical behavior and their, you know, being loud and being active and all these things because we're putting them in situations they're not ready for. We're putting them in um, activities and situations that aren't maybe appropriate for them yet or maybe for them at all, ever, you know? Um, who knows? And I know it's trickier when you have multiple kids and some of them want to be involved in this thing and some of them want to be involved in that thing. And that's when you have to start working together as a tribe and talking together and it's not just you making it work and you making the decisions it's like look this isn't working you know this kid wants to go to woodworking class but this kid wants to stay home but I can't leave you home alone what are we going to do about this work it out together because they'll have ideas they might solve your problems for you because it's their problem too you're not alone You've got a whole team. You've got kids. They're your teammates. You know, they're part of this. And it's not that you're just handing over the reins, but it's like, we're together, you know? We had a lot of those kinds of things when we were kids. It was like, mom would be like, I can't always be the only one cleaning all the dishes. What are we going to do about this? And it's not like she was forcing us to clean our own dishes. It's like, we have a relationship and we have a dynamic. And, and because she listened, because of the connection that she had with us and because of her listening and respecting us, it started to reciprocate. We listened and respected her. And you see children looking to their mom to go, is this okay? You know, they do that. And so if you continue with that connection, the listening and the respecting, it starts to go both ways. And when you need to say no and you have a good reason, they listen and respect. And it's like, guys, I need help here. I can't be the only one doing this. This is your house too. And we need to work together to make this work for everybody. Because it's not just me and you guys. It's us. 
And my mom luckily somehow had that from day one. She had that attitude, a we-ness about her. She has a very, um, she's a, likes to work in partnership and she's a team-like person, even more so than me. I'm a little bit more of like, I'd rather do things on my own or I'd rather have like, you do your job, I'll do mine. She's very much like a we together kind of person, which was really beautiful, um, which was a really beautiful thing for our family and, and for the unschooling. But even if you're not a big we type kind of person, you can figure out ways that work for you with your children. And you can be like, have those discussions about like, what's your place and what's my place and what's your role and my role when it comes to working out those practical issues in a family. And um, we tried all kinds of things when it came to that kind of stuff. You know, we tried like lists. How about mom's like, how about if I make a list of chores and you all pick one? you know, and we tried that. And then it was like, okay, but you can't wait till the end of the day to sweep the floor. We kind of need that done in the morning. Okay. How about someone else does that chore because you don't like to do your chores in the morning. And then, okay, the list thing isn't really working. How about you guys? You know, it was like, we tried so many things and we were changing and evolving all the time. So I like to remind parents who are kind of like doing this more communal living, like community minded family life. Um, and with the unschooling that, um, you might find something that works, but it might only want to work for a little while, and then you might have to evolve again. So don't get too attached to any one way, any one method, any one system um, of, of ways of being, because children were evolving constantly, and children are evolving really rapidly, and their brains are developing really rapidly. So there's going to be different systems that are going to work at different times, and um, and that's okay, and that's as it should be. Which, which, which also reminds me of um, about how just because a child shows an interest in something doesn't mean you need to go crazy and and like like provide everything related to that interest. And like just because they have an interest today doesn't mean it's going to be a thing forever. Like it could just be for five minutes, or it could be for a few days, or weeks, or months, or years. Like you don't know. Um, how long that interest is going to last or or what it's about or what it's for. Like it might just be a doorway to something else. So don't get too attached because one thing can lead to another thing, which leads them to another thing. And, and I feel like oftentimes I see parents in, in unschooling that they, they grip on, they hold on to something. Their child shows an interest in something. This is my child's interest. We're going to pursue this. And it's like, oh, don't be so quick, you know, like keep a really open, loose, no expectations, a lot of freedom to move within that and so that they can move freely from that interest to another interest without feeling like they're disappointing you by changing their mind or that you've invested a bunch of time and energy and money even, you know, into something like, and that's why sometimes it's good to wait for certain things. Um, and it's okay for kids to want things and not have their need, their not have their desire met immediately. Like supporting your children's interest doesn't mean that you just like anything they want at any time. You know, sometimes the learning happens in the struggle. And um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, which is something a lot of people struggle with. I think with unschooling, I can't afford to, you know, buy all these art supplies and sign up for all these classes and you know I can't afford to do all that things and I say that's fine actually sometimes it's better if you don't honestly I learned I feel like I learned more from the times when we had to work hard to get what we wanted um 
rather than the times when it was all just handed to me on a silver platter. Um, like, like when, uh, I think I shared this story online at one point, um, because it was significant to me. We, when I was about seven or eight, my brother got into kites. He got really interested in kites and kite making. Um, actually it wasn't the kite making. The kite making came because we couldn't afford the kites that he wanted to buy. So it was like, oh, again, with mom and we, and because he got into kites, we all got into kites. And we couldn't buy the kites that we wanted because we couldn't afford them. They were expensive. They weren't like your normal Walmart kites. These are like fancy, you know, fancy kites. And I remember learning about things like aerodynamics and like learning about wind and weather and different materials and shapes and how, you know, like I learned about a lot of that thing because we were exploring this thing with kites. Because my brother got like a book on kites and, and, it, and then it kind of went into like a, aviation and I remember having this book on like the history of aviation and looking at pictures of the first planes and all of this because like one of us liked kites and um and then we got a book on kite making because it was like well we mom you know was like I we can't just go buy all these kites for you guys like what are we gonna do about it what are we gonna do about it and um we went to the library like we did all the time spent <laughs> half my childhood in the library and um and I remember getting a book on kite making and we we were able to buy some um like wooden uh rods and things like a little bit of craft materials and I remember making kites and learning a whole lot through that I remember measuring you know and learning measurements from that and doing all this thing and then someone I don't remember it was probably my mom had the brilliant idea she was like, you know, we've got this giant jar by the by the door that my stepmom or my stepdad, sorry, would um, put his change in every time he came home. He'd take change out of his pockets and he'd put it in this jar. And then my mom would put change in the jar too. And it was there for like a long time. And so the change jar was quite large. And mom was like, this is extra. Why don't we, why don't you guys dump out? You can have whatever's in the change jar. So we dumped out the change jar, and I remember sitting on the floor with my brothers, counting change and piling, you know, separating the quarters from the nickels and the dimes and, and counting them out. And I remember specifically my brother Clay teaching me how many quarters in a dollar, how many nickels, how many dimes, you know, how many of these go into that, how many of this go into that, how many go into a roll to make this, and, um, and counting all of that out. And I, that's when I learned how to count by fives and tens actually. And I remember really enjoying it and getting really fun and getting really fast. And we would see like, who could count the most at once, you know, and um, piling that all up and seeing how much money we had. And, and no one, none of that was due to any adult agenda, any learning agenda. None of that was adult led or instigated. Um, that all was us really. And my mom's support, yes, but not direction and no control. And um, I don't even think she knew. I think I told her that story a while ago. And she was like, yeah, I have no idea. She didn't even know that I was <laughs> things, you know, and so many people, so many parents are so obsessed with like, what is my kid learning out of this activity? And I'm like, why do you need to know? Um, she didn't even know that's when I learned how to count by fives and tens. I don't know that that it just happened. And maybe she noticed at some point that I was doing that now. I don't know. It was not. Um, it wasn't significant to anyone. 
It was just part of the process, part of life. And so we had all this change. And then because it's so much effort had gone into that and so much work and um, it was really valuable and it mattered. And I remember going to the bank and turning in all this change for cash and being so proud to set that change up on that counter and having that sense of achievement and accomplishment and fulfillment and, um, and then going to the kite shop and picking out kites and figuring how much money we had and who could buy what kites and paying for those kites, that money that we counted. And it was like, you guarantee those kites got used until they were nothing. I mean, that, that mattered. Those kites mattered because it wasn't like, mom, I want a kite. And it wasn't like, I'll just go buy you this fancy kite. And the kite gets flown once and thrown in the garage. It was like, it was this personal effort and this personal journey. And it was, the whole family was involved, you know? And, um, it wasn't just that I had an, someone had an interest and someone provided everything. It was, it was like, no, we had to, we had to make effort. You know, we were involved in getting what we wanted. And because of that, it was the, the, the learning mattered and it stuck with me. Like that learning was valuable and, um, significant and it made an actual difference in my life. And I was deeply affected by the whole experience. And that's just like one that my childhood made up of those experiences. I only remember some of them, but I think I remember that one because it was such a group. It was such a whole family experience and it lasted and it went on for a while. And we went to a kite festival and um, flew kites at the kite festival and all kinds of stuff went into that whole process. and then. We moved on, you know, no one is still flying kites professionally or anything, but um, learned so much through that experience by with no intention of learning. And I think that's the point of that story is that there was no intention of academic learning from anyone anywhere. It was life happening. It was interest and passion and teamwork and love and um no control, no manipulation, no agenda. It was freedom. And that's, to me, like, that's an example of how learning happens when there's no one getting in the way. And the adults, you don't even have to know. You don't have to be paying attention or keeping track. And I know that that's easy to say. But on a practical level, some people actually do for the legalities in their state and the, and that kind of thing. And I know that that's the case. And some people are going to be like, but I have to make sure that my kid can pass this thing. Otherwise, like I'm going to be in trouble, legally speaking. And in those scenarios, like I feel for you so deeply like that. It must be really. It's horrible and stupid. And I'm really sad that that's the case in some places. And um and if you have to do that, you have to do that. But be really clear with your child that that's what it's for. And that it doesn't mean anything about them or their intelligence or their capability. And that we live in a strange society that has really bizarre ideas about children. And they don't know you and they don't believe, you know. Um, they don't know you the way I know you. And they don't know the things about you that I know. And we just have to do this thing for them. And, you know, make that really clear. because. It's 
it's not going to ruin your kid if you have to do that. I don't want to make it sound like um, you're going to destroy your child's psychological and emotional well-being for the rest of their life if you have to do this thing. Like life is full of things that you're going to just have to do, and even though they're stupid and we live in a really weird world that requires some really bizarre things of us. Um, but I think that the important thing is that you know that you see your child that way and that they know that you see them that way. And it's like, we have to do this stupid thing for these dumbass people who require this shit. <laughs> and if that's your attitude, pardon all my language through this whole conversation, but if you can have that attitude about it and you're really clear that this needs to happen, and then I think that that's what matters. Because I think what matters is what you think of your child and how you treat your child above anything else. And, um, and I know that if that were the case in my family, if we had to, luckily we didn't at the time, but this was so long ago in, in California and Hawaii. And all my mom had to do was like sign a thing that said I'm responsible and that was it. But if we had had to do something like meet some kind of state requirements, um, I know that it would have been okay because my mom would have approached it with that attitude of like, same as like, you got to brush your teeth. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean anything about you and it's not, it's not important. It's not significant. And it's, it's just the stupid thing that we have to do and we got to make it work and um, make it a wee thing, you know, make it a wee thing and just make it really clear and that it, it doesn't mean anything about how you feel about your child or what you think about your child make sure they know that I really just encourage people to um, in whatever way that you can find ways to reconnect with your own sense of rightness and um, and make sure that any information that you attain any books that you read any of these podcasts that you listen to anyone no matter how you know well-educated, no matter what expert they are, no matter anything, make sure that you test everything against your own, your own sense of what is true and right and safe and healthy for yourself and your own unique children, no matter um, how much authority that person has. And, and yes, to always be questioning yourself, but that's not the same as doubting and second-guessing yourself. So questioning yourself as a means of like self-inquiry, contemplation, yes, that doesn't mean to be constantly doubting and second-guessing yourself. And always remember to like forgive yourself because you're going to make a million mistakes all the time and you you know, you are doing the best that you can and sometimes you're going to it's like it's okay. Sometimes you have to eat takeout. Like forgive yourself. And I mean that as an example of like Sometimes you're going to say stupid shit to your kids and you're going to think about it later and you're going to regret it. And it's okay. Your kids are going to be okay. Like they're not as, as delicate as all of that. But, um, but the self-inquiry and to be inquiring about the ways in which you, you interact with and you speak to your children, just looking at where it's coming from, looking at where it's coming from and not accepting your first answer, digging under the surface and um, really looking into that fear. And, and you might have some really intense emotional processes to go through for yourself about your own fear and insecurities um, and undoing a lot of what was done to you. And there might be your own childhood traumas. I know my mom, you know, 
she said that there was a lot of that for her. She had to like face a lot of memories and a lot of her own trauma and a lot of, and she said, because in order to allow your children to be free, you have to free yourself. And that's a deep personal journey and, 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 and possibly a never ending process. You'll never get to some place where you're done and you're fine and you've got this and you know exactly how to be with your kids. It's not like that. Um, I don't think for anyone, but just to always be giving yourself a lot of freedom and space and quiet and um, the same that you're giving to your children to allow yourself that kind of space and freedom and silence to, to see what comes up and not be always trying to fix and change yourself either. And it's okay to screw up and say the wrong thing sometimes and forgive yourself and apologize, you know, apologize to your kids. My mom, I can't tell you how many times her humility in front of us was huge. She was not perfect. She messed up all the time, you know, and she did and said things that she regrets and that she can't believe that she did and said now, you know, um, she was far from perfect, but she got on her knees, you know, always the humility and, and, and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And sometimes dramatically and sometimes not dramatically, sometimes it was like, oh my God, honey, I can't believe I said that. I'm so sorry. You know? that was stupid and move on like let it go you know let it go like apologize let it go move on and 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 be always open you know and open to your child's feedback and and finding those places where your freedom and your child's freedom meet and curb one another because although your child is free you are also free and your child is free to say no and you are free to say no and um your child is free to say you know, mom, I'm hungry. Get up and get me a snack. And you're free to go. Nah, I love you, babe, but I am tired and my feet hurt and I need to sit here for a minute and you can get your own snack if you want. And they are free to be upset about that. You are free to let them be upset about that. Freedom all around, you know, giving your child freedom doesn't mean you sacrifice your freedom. And sometimes being loving and being kind doesn't always look nice. Doesn't always look nice. There are times when my mom, you know, would say, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that for you. I'm not going to buy that for you. I'm not going to participate in this. You know, there's even times where it was like, no, I'm not going to support this interest of yours because I, it's again, goes against my convictions. I'm not going to prevent you from pursuing that interest because I I don't have the right to do that, but I am going to say, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be a part of it. And that's okay. Because I see parents often sacrificing that for their children. So in that self-inquiry, bringing those questions in of like, um, what are you actually teaching your kid? Not just what you think you're teaching, but what is the lesson they might actually be learning from you? Because um, having boundaries is really powerful. And like having... My mom, like the way that my mom would be with certain things, like when it came to her own moral convictions or her spiritual beliefs or her like not putting them on us, but also still standing by her own, you know, yeah, her own convictions. So it was like she was vegetarian and vegan and she, um, it's not thing now, but as one example, like. And in her spirituality, maybe I should use that as a thing. Like for her, it was like she believed in God. She had, you know, her own spiritual beliefs, but she wasn't going to put that on us. 
and um, allowed us to have our own beliefs. And then it was like when it came to like maybe things like video games or toxic foods or things like that, she would be like, if you're going to go to your friends and play video games, I can't stop you from doing that. But um, I'm not going to buy them for you because it's not something I support. It's not something I feel good about. It's not something I feel is safe and healthy. And um, it causes a lot of disruption in our home and it affects the younger children in a negative way. And, you know, it, like these kinds of things. And it was like, there's times when you can still be respecting your child's freedom while not sacrificing your own convictions and your own beliefs. Um, and that's a really tricky thing to explain, but just that's where I think I want to kind of leave people with that open-ended inquiry of just finding those places where your freedom and your children's freedom meet and interact and curb one another and flow together and and sometimes more on one side than the other side and sometimes you acquiesce because it's more important to them that they have this thing than it is to you that they that you don't and sometimes they have to acquiesce to you because it's more important to you than it is to them and 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 it's like that in any relationship you know in any partnership and it it ought to be both and it's not just um you bowing down and serving your child's every want and need and and whim you know it's a it's a relationship and it's about mutual support and mutual respect and um taking care of each other psychologically and emotionally and not just you serving them because they're not no one is more important here you know and that was the beauty in my family is that everyone was taken care of everyone was heard and seen and respected and that included my mom so her children's needs were not above her own in in that sense they were for her like she always placed her children's needs first but i think you know what i'm trying to say where um there were times when it was like i'm sorry i can't i can't be part of this or i can't support this and you know what i learned from that i learned how to stand in my own strength i learned from her example how to um how to stand in my own conviction and and stand up for what i believe in and fight for my own freedom and my beliefs and not to just be always serving other people and um so finding that balance in yourself with your children and it's going to be different for everybody but there's no one right way to do this and unschooling is is like one term that only describes one tiny aspect of a much deeper greater bigger um philosophy of life and that's where it came from for my mom. And for some people, it's not, you know, for some people, it's not. For some people, it literally is just this one separate thing. But to me, I don't see how you can do that because everything is connected. And that, to me, is a very school-minded mentality of putting everything into subjects and distilling everything into these separate categories. And um, we're all connected. We're whole beings. And we're connected to each other and we're connected to the earth. And, and um, so to me, it's like, it's all one. It's all the same. It's not really all these different things going on. It's not math and science and this and that. It's all just learning is, is learning, basically. And life is life and it's all together and it's big and it's beautiful and it's messy and it's 
um, fantastical and crazy and scary and all the things. Um, and I think that our constant trying to control and manipulate is is getting in the way of our full experience. And that's really that's really what it is when it comes to children. Is I just want to support everyone's full experience, and I don't think that anyone's idea of how someone else should be should um, dictate, like, should be more important, if that makes any sense. Like, when I'm with a child, I don't think that my idea of how they should be is more valid than than how they are or how they want to be. Like, my ideas of how anything should be isn't actually um, valid. It's just my idea of how it should be. I don't actually know how someone else should be. And I think that's where schooling comes from. It comes from this idea of an authority thinking that they want people to be a certain way. You want a compliant workforce, and this is how we're going to do that. It's all about coming from some idea of how someone else should be. And if you let go of that idea and you don't know how your kids should be, then you're left with just what is and what's here. And how do I want to be? How do I want to be? And how do I want to interact with this person? Um, and that, to me, changes everything. I think that's the big, that's the main shift in perspective there is when you take the focus away from how do you want your kid to be to oh you're just left with how you are and it's like well i present i want to be kind i want to be loving okay what does that look like in this moment if you're not attached to how your child is being if you're not attached to how they end up turning out someday so um yeah that's my <laughs> my rambling on